Thank you for calling Science Telephone. For quality assurance and to allow us to blackmail you in the future, this call is being recorded. We're also looking at you through your webcam. Put some tape on that thing, for God's sake. Hello and welcome to Science Telephone. I am Jesse Lupini and I will be guiding our journey today from actual research to ridiculousness. We are going to hear an honest to goodness scientist tell one of our very funny guests a little bit about their actual research and then that guest will have to explain it as if they're the expert to the next guest and so on and so forth. It's going to be wild. So without any further ado, I'm very pleased to introduce our real life scientist, Peter Crockford. Thanks for being our guinea pig, Peter. Thanks for having me. So I'm not going to ask you anything about your research just yet, because we're saving that. Um, but can you tell us where you are right now? Yeah, so I'm in a place called Rehovot, which is about 30 kilometers south of Tel Aviv in Israel, located uh, on at the Weizmann Institute of Science at the moment. Okay, cool. What's, uh, I'm not going to ask what that institute's for. We'll find that out later. Yeah. <laughs> You're obviously on the, on the show as our scientist today. In, in your education, what, what's the most pointless class you ever took? Uh, the most pointless class would probably be phys- first-year physics, because it was basically just grade 12 physics all over again. Um, so that was a complete waste of time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I struggled a lot with first-year physics. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think we're ready to call in our first comic. Uh, he should be ready to go here. Hello. Yeah, there he is. He's a fantastic stand-up, and he hosts a great show called Comedy Pants, and he's got cheekbones for days. It's Alistair Ogden. Hey, Alistair. Hi, thanks for having me. So, uh, let's dive in. So, Peter, you're going to have one minute to explain your research to Alistair, and then another minute to answer any questions he might have. And, Peter, remember to explain as if you're talking to a colleague... Don't let him off the hook by dumbing it down at all. Use the technical language that you would normally use when explaining what you do. Uh, any questions before we jump into it? No, I think I'm good. Okay, awesome. Let's do it. Timer starts now. All right. So my work has been focused on trying to quantify the productivity of Earth's ancient biosphere over an interval of time from about 2.5 billion years ago to about 550 million years ago uh, in a period called, or an era called the Proterozoic. And how I've been doing this is through triple auction isotope ratios of sulfate minerals, such as gypsum and hydrite and barites, sourced from ancient dried up lake beds or uh, dried up seawater in restricted basins uh, in marginal areas. And what I've been finding is these large, mass-independent triple auction isotope anomalies that couldn't form in the modern environment and have to be telling us something about the ancient biosphere. And what we've been finding is that the biosphere over this interval was likely a lot smaller uh, than it is today. Uh, And so, yeah, that about sums it up. Okay. Fantastic. You got all of that, Alistair, right? I'm having a panic attack. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, uh, you now have have a minute to ask any clarifying questions of Peter, just to get, you know, fix any of the couple of weird little things that you might not have picked up there. Okay, uh, list those um, minerals. What were those minerals? Sure, uh, gypsum and hydrate and barite. And uh, so do you actually go and like get them yourself? Yeah, yeah. So go to places like the Canadian High Arctic, middle of Australia, parts of Africa, uh, parts of Europe. Okay. Um, and how do you extract the minerals? So for that, we dissolve and re-precipitate them to purify. Okay. 
and then we liberate the oxygen that we actually measure uh, by shooting it with a laser. Uh, and that heats it up really, really fast, liberates the oxygen, and then we can really carefully measure the isotopes uh, of the oxygen gas. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much, Peter. That was great. So um, we're going to drop you off the call now, and we'll call you back in when we get to the last round, okay? Sounds good. All right. See you guys soon. Okay, awesome. So, Alistair, before we go to the next round, uh, what is your scientist name so I can introduce you? Uh, Dr. Rolf Gainsby. Okay, fantastic. Let's call up our next guest. Yes. Oh, man. I don't even know if I can read my notes. <laughs> I was writing so fast. <laughs> Hello? Hello. Hello. So uh, that voice you just heard is the dulcet tones of one of my favorite improvisers. He's a member of the Legendary Sunday Service, and you might also know him from those A&W ads. It's Ryan Beal. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Let's do some science. I'm very excited to introduce um, our scientist today. We have Dr. Rolf Gainsby here on the phone. Hello, Rolf. Hi. Nice to, nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to a real scientist. Dr. Gainsby, you've been, uh, you've been in the science scene, so to speak, for quite a long time. Um, what made you initially want to pursue a career in science? Uh, well, my mother was actually a famous science journalist, and so I thought, you know, if she can write about it, then I can do it. And so I was very inspired by her. Uh, and uh, honestly, a little bit uh, competitive. Me and my mom are quite competitive against each other. And I think I'm winning. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, I'm very excited to hear about your research. So we'll, we'll hop right to it. You've got one minute to explain your research, Dr. Gainsby. And, uh, and then Ryan will have one minute to ask some clarifying questions. And the timer starts. Now. Great. So, uh, yeah, I've been uh, basically studying Earth's ancient biosphere, so uh, specifically the Protozoic era. And what I've been doing is I, I travel uh, around the world and I collect uh, minerals, uh, you know, from thousands or millions of years ago. Uh, you know, so take those mi minerals, uh, uh, shoot them with a laser to, uh, you know, dissolve them and then re-precipitate them and... Uh, that way I can measure the, uh, the, the oxygen that is liberated from those minerals and, uh, you know, uh, see how Earth's biosphere used to be and, uh, and, and, and study how, uh, how that could possibly affect uh, future, um, like f future uh, ecosystems and the future climate and uh, just... Uh, yeah, I, I've been to uh, the Arctic. I've been to Africa. Uh, you know, uh, taking these these uh, really incredible minerals. You know, uh, your gypsum, your ludite, uh, and okay, perfect. So now I get to ask some nice follow up questions. Yep. Okay. Okay. So yeah, actually, you just started on my first question. Give me some. Uh, give me some of the minerals. Like, uh, give me like uh, some. Hit me with some of the minerals you've got in your back pocket there. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, gypsum, uh, ludite, gypsum. Uh, barite, um, barite, and zinc. Beautiful zinc. I love zinc. Put you put it on my mm -hmm. nose when I go skiing. Um, yeah. Can I have a few yeah. more minerals? I want up to ten. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you've got actually uh, B twelve. Not a lot of people know that that is yeah. out there, and uh, you've got your um, mandolin. Mandolin, yep. Uh, yeah. Your 
your uh, weir room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it's haunted. Um, okay, so also, uh, uh, can you can you explain me the steps in reprecip when you you is it you reprecipitate the minerals? Is that what you yeah. do? Is that the process? Yeah. So how does that work? Step by step, how do you reprecipitate something? Uh, so uh, basically, uh, you 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 go to uh, like a dried uh, lake basin, uh, which you find all over the world, and you uh, shovel uh, just essentially the dirt from it. Uh, into uh, one of our uh, specially uh, designed uh, containers. Take that container, bring it back to the lab. Uh, you uh, sift it all out, kind of, kind of like a, um, you know, a panning for gold, except we're panning for for zinc. And we we take those. We sh- we shoot that with a very high powered laser, which uh, yeah, I want to talk about like, the laser. Uh, what do you call? Does <laughs> the laser have a name or a model? Like what style of laser is it? Like a twelve gauge? Uh, no, that that would be that would be a gun. Our lasers yeah. are actually much more serious uh, than that. <laughs> so you yeah, it's uh, the the model of our our lasers. There, um, it, okay. it's a Vasion B one thousand. Vasion. B one thousand. All right, that's all the time B1000. we got for questions. Okay. Wow. Thank you. That was so interesting, uh, Rolf Gamesby. I hope you mm-hmm. do uh, best your doctor. mother in doctor. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, uh, thank you for teaching me about minerals and um, ancient biospheres. Thank you, Doctor Gamesby. Of course. Anytime. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. All right, Ryan. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> are you uh, Are you ready? Yeah, I'm gonna be like um like a. Uh, high school science teacher slash gym teacher is that okay or should i be like a i'm i have to be an expert right yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, that's fine as long as you you study this and yeah, you can in your spare this. time yeah. yeah yeah this is something i'm interested in and what's your what's yeah. your name then dr frig <laughs> dr tony frig <laughs> okay yeah. dr tony frig great yeah f-r-i-g teaching, teaching uh teaching high school students <laughs> High school science and uh, science and gym. I actually, yeah, I had a I had a science teacher who t- also taught gym when I was in high school. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's always a nice juxtaposition. He had very thick legs. That's kind of all I remember. <laughs> uh, and he lied a lot. Like he for sure lied. A- he told us a lot of stories that were definitely lies about his twin and their gym telepathy. teachers. Like, yeah, they're groomed to lie in some way. Like they're just like, you're doing great. <laughs> Hello. So now just joining the call, we have uh, an actor, writer, improviser who performs with Little Mountain Improv every week, although I guess not right now while you're on hiatus, eh? <laughs> we'll do some weird thing on Tuesdays. Okay, good. Good. Awesome. I'm so glad all the co- comedy, my favorite comedy in Vancouver is sort of continuing in some way during this. But yeah, anyway, it's Christine Bordelin. Hello. I don't know why my voice cracked on that. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Christine, I want to introduce you to our, our very special guest scientist today. Uh, on the call, we have Dr. Tony Frigg. How you doing? Oh, hi. Good. Thank you. How are you? I'm fine. Nice to meet Christine, is it? Christine, yeah, with a C-H. I'm Tony Frigg, and I friggin' love science. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's so sweet. Tony, I, I understand that you, um, or I should say Dr. Frigg, I guess. Um, I, underst- I, do have a, I do have a doctorate. And what's that doctorate in? We'll get there. <laughs> Well, my doctorate is in uh, uh, advanced science ideas. Okay. So you're yeah, like an I'm, ideas I was man. too good at all of it. I, I like, you ever go to a buffet and you want it all? That's me in science. So I just took sort of an, a, a general study. 
Uh, what's your favorite planet, Mr. Frigg? Dr. Uh, Frigg. Uh, duh, Mercury, because it's the closest to the sun. Mercury, okay, and why does that matter? Um, I'm much like, uh, the fabled, um... Icarus, I, I'm obsessed with the sun and flying too close to it. I'm not sure if that was the story. I like the sun. Dr. Frigg, um, really quickly, I, I understand that you are a high school teacher. Uh, you, you teach gym and science. Do you find there are any uh, crossovers between those two fields? Uh-huh, 100%. Uh, you have to know the science of your body to make your body work, and you have to know the body of your body to make your science work. Dr. Frigg, can I ask you about a mole I have on my back right now? I am not a dermatologist. <laughs> no, but you said you know the body and like oh. science is like moles and stuff, right? Can Correct. you just tell me? Can you just tell me if it's a mole? I think well, you just described it as such, so I think we can just call it a mole and leave it at that. <laughs> wow, great! Thank okay. you. Wow, that was wow. so fast. Yeah. Phew. Tony Frigg. Doctor Frigg, you you you'll have uh, one minute to explain your life's work, uh, and then Christine can ask you some clarifying questions. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready to explain myself. Okay. Christine, are you ready to hear some, some friggin' science? 100%, sir. Okay, well, although I like general science, my degree, my speciality is I am an ancient biospherist, which means I study old air. And the way I get into the old air and the old stuff is I threw minerals. That's my window. So what I do is I go all around the world on my free time when I'm not teaching gym or science in high school. Uh, and I find minerals and then I, I shoot them with a special laser that is only used by biospherists ancient ancient style like me and i shoot them with a laser and i repatriate them i re i repatriate them to their new home which is the future and telling me about uh the the stuff so basically i take a look at them on the inside and that tells me how the air used to be millions of years ago and we can use that to predict how the air is going to be millions of years from now whoa oh, all right wow just under the wire there well done yeah um all right. Do you have some questions you want to ask, Christine? Um, yes. Uh, what does it smell like? It smells like, uh, it smells like burnt hair and fresh pomegranate at the same time. There's a bit of a, a taste. You mean the minerals? What are, you, what are we talking about here? <laughs> you mean the minerals? I'm talking about that old oh, yeah. air. Old air taste. Well, that's the thing. It smells like different things. If it's from the Triassic, it's going to smell like plums. Cretaceous is going to smell like okay. uh, plums. A lot, of, like, most of the dinosaur eras are plums. Plums. Okay, cool. Uh, wow. So, like, what do you do? Do you like break a rock open and then there's some air inside? No, 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 no. Like, no, I shoot it with a laser. From? I shoot it with a laser and I re right, re right. But like, you're shooting the rock in half. Is no, that what the laser. The laser the collects. Air comes out? The laser collects data like a video game. You then go take the laser and you download that data in a lab to a special machine. Okay, wait, but where's this? How is the laser collecting the air? Is it like a syringe? Yeah, it's like a laser. Like, okay, yes, so yes, yes. You're shooting it with a laser. Correct. And then what do, how do you suck the air out? The laser does. With the laser? I'm not a laser guy. The laser does its job. The laser goes in, heats it up, gets it all like kind of like gooey, at, atomically, not like actually gooey, but the atoms are gooey. Oh, okay. And then it's able to then suck those atoms out it puts the data in the gun puts the atoms back where they found them and then we take the gun to the lab whoa okay so you're using a gun do you have a permit <laughs> that's what i call the laser it's not a gun the laser is like looks like a gun i'm sorry i don't know why i find okay. that funny you're the laser using... looks like a gun that's cool dude um okay i do have another mm -hmm. question um what do you consider ancient you say you're ancient biospherist. Mm -hmm. What do you consider ancient? Millions. Protozoic, mostly. The Protozoic era is my main jam. 
I like uh, Primozoic and Prontozoic as well. Prontozoic. And my favorite mineral, now, my favorite mineral that... is Weirum because it's haunted. <laughs> Weirum is haunted. Mm-hmm. So what kind of air do you get from that era? Is it like uh, spooky air? Yeah. Have you played Luigi's Mansion 3? I actually have. Yeah. Or maybe you've seen a trailer for it. No, I was like in that. a commercial for it. I played it. Oh, wow. You played the game? That was <laughs> yeah. your role? Yeah. Oh, you played it. Oh, I see. You played it. I okay. See. And that's, uh, oh, that's all the time we've got for Luigi. questions. <laughs> okay. Well, it was okay. a pleasure talking to you, Christy. Thank nice you to meet so you. Thank you so much. So nice to meet you too, Dr. Frigg. You're welcome. And I friggin' love science. Thanks, uh-huh. Dr. Frigg. Stay woke. Okay, bye. Give you a sec to uh, put your notes together. Um, Thank you. <laughs> let, me, let me know when you're good to go. Yeah, I'm good. Do you want me to tell you my doctor name, or are you just going to... Yeah, I, I need your doctor name. I think I'm going to be Dr. Daniela Coben. Daniela Coben? Yeah. Coben. And um, anything uh, about Dr. Coben I should know? Um... Uh, I, I think that just like she sees the um, beautiful energy of everything in the world. Okay. She's she's big on energy. Big on energy. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very, very scientific. Okay. <laughs> so um, we're going to dial everybody back in and, uh, and then I'll introduce you and you're going to have an opportunity to explain to the panel uh, why you should win the Nobel Prize. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's pull everyone back into the call here. <laughs> okay. So um, we've got uh, here today Dr. Daniela Coben. Uh, Dr. Coben, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, hello. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, Dr. Coben, I want to introduce you to the Nobel Prize Awarding Committee. Um, it's it's really a who's who of the biggest names in your field. Oh, a couple of people from the who here, huh? Hello, very nice to see you again. Yeah. Um. So I'm just wondering if we did decide to give you the Nobel Prize today, uh, it, it, this mm-hmm. hour, uh, what would you what would you do with your 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 newfound fame? Oh, what would I? I don't really mind about fame. Fame isn't something that I really um connect with. I think what I would do is I would probably. I'd probably sell it. To be honest, I'd sell it. Uh, yeah, I'd sell the prize. I, I do get something physical from this, I believe. And with that money, I would put it towards uh, more research just because I am passionate about the research. That would make me feel as good as I possibly can, which is the point of life, isn't it? Yeah, very dedicated to your to your work. I love that. Thank you. Let, let's get right to it. Um, you've got well, one minute to tell us all about your groundbreaking research. This is, uh, by the way, how real Nobel Prizes are actually awarded as well. Uh, this is exactly <laughs> how it's done. So, um, and then uh, the panel will ask you some questions just to clarify any details. So, um, are you ready to go? I'm always ready to go. All right. Well, here we go. Three, two, one, and begin. All right, everyone. Hello. I am an ancient biospherist. You're probably wondering what kind of sphere the earth. I study old air, okay? I, I like to, um, I have a laser gun, and what I do with this gun is I don't hurt people. I shoot it into rocks. Um, any old rock, um, the older the better, honestly. I push it, I push this laser right inside the rock, and then I suck out air, old air, and then I study that air in a lab. And in the lab, I can find out 
did a dinosaur sniff this air? Um, did, would, did, was this some air that Shakespeare sniffed? <laughs> I'm able to find out who smelled this air, and then we can use that information to sort of figure out who's going to be sniffing air in the future. All right. And that's one minute. Okay, perfect. I mean, I can go on forever. <laughs> well, I'd like to go to our panel now. Um, uh, are there any questions that you'd like to uh, ask Dr. Coben? Uh, I have a question. It's me, Tony Frigg, Dr. Tony Frigg. Hello, Dr. Frigg. Uh, is it just sniffing? Do you only, like, does your, it's like you, you seem to be only able to tell who sniffed or what sniffed what? Or is there more to what you, the, you get out of the research? There's so much more that does exist within the research, but this is the most important part to me because, I, so let's say you go up to um, a rock and you sniff it, okay? Let's say that. Um, now, when you sniff, you leave, leave particles of what was in your nose at that time. Uh-oh, don't tell the cops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's illegal. Um, and what, it, like, let's say you just... Uh, ate a banana and you've got some banana on your nose, then it will go inside of that rock. And then that rock <laughs> will slowly get more rock on top of it. Um, we call this sedimentary uh, creation. And so at one point, someone in a thousand years will have to shoot some sort of a laser, I assume from a gun, into that rock Pull out that air that you sniffed, and they will know that you ate a banana today. So then we'll know, like, what's a banana? They won't know that in a thousand years. Very good. Very good. All right. Uh, Dr. Gainsby? Where, where, um, where, do, where would you say the, the best, um, most fertile rocks in the world would be? Excellent question. Under the ocean. Specifically, the Atlantic Ocean. For some reason, the dinosaurs back then were sniffing incredible stuff. Let me for for tell some you. reason. Like, can you tell me the reason? Like you said, for some reason. Like you must know. You must have some uh, theories about why that's that's. I true. have a few theories. I think it's because one of them was a chef. Like, obviously not a chef like us, <laughs> but like the type of dinosaur considered the food that they ate, what brought them joy, and then put things together like, oh, I'm going to put, um, I don't know, part of a pterodactyl uh, in between two slices of leaf. And the kind of smell that that brings forward is beautiful. I think there's beauty in science. Yeah, I, I think we've all felt that from your, um, from your presentation, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Coben. Now, we, we also on this panel have uh, Dr. Peter Crockford, uh, our original scientist. Um, Peter, do you, before we, uh, we talk a little bit again about your research and uh, how it may have been potentially misconstrued slightly here, uh, do you have any questions for Dr. Coben about her groundbreaking work? Absolutely. Uh, I guess I'm most curious about how these pterodactyl leaf sandwiches find their way to the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. That seems fascinating. Uh, maybe you could uh, help us out with that. Absolutely. Dr. Croc, uh, sorry, Dr. Crockford, I believe you understand the concept of Pangea. Absolutely. We're all, we're all one at one point, one continent. Well, part of that, part of Pangea did gravitate into the Atlantic Ocean. And then, unfortunately, when the meteors came, it 
sank it. <laughs> the sa- it sank it. So the you're saying that the, when the when the meteors came, which is a, a point of scientific, you know, we all know when the meteors came. Yes. <laughs> After that accepted point in history, when the when the meteors came, you're saying Pangaea sunk. Part of Pangaea, um, a very specific part that had the dinosaurs that were kind of like chefs on it, and. That sank to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. This is the only time in history we've been able to dive that deep. It's only with drones. And then and then obviously one of us has to go down there to be holding the gun, the laser gun, to shoot the laser and then suck up the air. Um, but so, yeah, that's why it's at the bottom of the ocean. Wait, you can only go down there with drones, but also there's a person with a laser? <laughs> Yeah, because somebody needs to hold that laser. You can't trust a drone with it. The drone will, who knows what that drone is going to shoot, right? Wow. I've learned so much. This is groundbreaking stuff. Didn't expect to learn about dinosaurs today, actually. So, um, well, <laughs> I am a wealth of knowledge. Uh, thank you so much, no Dr. COVID. Now that we've, uh, we've had a chance to bring this telephone full circle, um, I, I do want to go back to Peter for a second. So, uh, Peter, what, what happened here? How far off are we? And, can you kind of explain what you do again now as if you're explaining it to a layperson? Sure. We're off by about uh, four kilometers of uh, water above us, and we're off by about 500 million years, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah, so my work is really uh, based on quantifying the like biological flux of oxygen through oxygenic photosynthesis from little things like cyanobacteria and algae in a time much before the dinosaurs, uh, before there was even animals. And uh, what we've been trying to do is more of like a global scale look at just how much life in general was on the planet. Was it 10% of today, 1% of today? Uh, these are the kind of numbers that we uh, try to quantify. And then this sort of underlies uh, how we can understand like atmospheric evolution uh, and things like that. So. Uh, yeah, we we went a little far off course. <laughs> <laughs> what what was the closest thing? Like what 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 did survive over the course of this? Uh, it's true that I do uh, shoot some rocks with lasers, not necessarily in a gun, uh, in the lab. <laughs> it's not any rock, uh, to be clear. It's usually like ancient uh, salts that have uh, formed from evaporated lakes or or marginal waters. So. Is weirium? Is that was that the spooky mineral? Is that that's not a real mineral, then? Eh? Not one I've heard of, but uh, I mean, there's thousands, of them, so maybe that's some obscure mineral in some uh, weird collection. But, yeah. <laughs> um, what what do you generally find to be the the stuff that people do remember about what you do, or the easiest things to explain? And then what do you find to be like uh, a bit trickier to explain to people? I think that what people can latch onto is if you just say how much life was on the planet and you can give a ballpark figure that's referenced to today, that's something that people can grab onto. Um, so 10%, 1%, that sort of thing. Uh, what I find people struggle with, which was sort of clear from uh, this game of telephone, was that when you start going back in Earth history, like a billion and a million become kind of interchangeable. It's kind of meaningless when people deal with these long time scales, And that's actually a huge struggle in communicating uh, the kind of... Uh, work that folks like myself do uh, to kind of have that appreciation for incredibly long time scales. Right. So we just naturally go to di- dinosaurs. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, does anybody, any, anybody else, uh, Christina, Alistair, Ryan, do you have any other questions for Peter? 
Are you an ancient biospherist? Is that a real thing? I mean, the names that <laughs> scientists sort of assign to themselves is like an evolving thing. So I would say maybe earth historian, but, you know, geologist, geochemist works, astrobiologist is in vogue right now, or geobiologist. But these names sort of follow funding cycles and uh, it's constantly evolving. So maybe in the future I will be an ancient biospherist. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's your favorite mineral? Like you could take one mineral to a desert island. What would it be? <laughs> one mineral to a desert island. Oh, probably halite salt, just uh, because I'll hopefully be eating on that island. Uh, <laughs> that'd be probably my first choice. Yeah. What's nice. the most exciting? Like, what's the mo- what's your most exciting day of work you've ever had? Like something that you found, or I don't know. Yeah, sure. Um, Probably one of the most exciting things is like looking at some map that was made in like the 1950s by the Geological Survey of Canada. And you just see these colored lines drawn in in an area far away from everything. And you come up with a hypothesis in your head that if I just go to this right place on the map, I'll find some parts of this old basin that got cut off from the ocean and was dried up. And then you find a mineral there, like these uh, gypsums or anhydrites or something that shows that water evaporated and you're like, ah, I was right. And that's always really exciting. And it's also justifies a lot of efforts and helicopter time and carrying a gun around to fight off polar bears if you need to. (laughs) Whoa, cool. Oh, so you do use a gun. Well, no, I don't use it. Like, I mean, the hope would be that you never, ever run into one. And if it came to it, you'd fly out before you ever had to use it if you could. But just for safety. Hopefully just to scare them off. That's yeah. cool. Wow. And I thought the gun thing was just entirely nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> gun kept coming up over and over again. <laughs> when does the laser gun come into play? <laughs> Teaser. I was, I was the one that, that turned into a laser gun. I ah, okay, me. gotcha. So, yeah, yeah. I, as soon as you say laser, I imagine you're holding it in your hands like a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that that is fantastic. Um, thanks so much, Peter, uh, for letting us just obliterate your research. <laughs> uh, thanks so much. This is fun. This is fun. Thank you. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. So thank you all so much. This has been a, a total blast. I hope everybody learned something. Definitely. Um, so re- really quickly, just thanks again to everybody. Uh, Alistair, thanks so much. Can people find you online somewhere? Where What are you doing while, while we're all on hiatus? <laughs> Um, not anything too exciting. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess follow me on Instagram. Maybe I'll find something funny to do. All right. So that's, <laughs> that's a guaranteed <laughs> good follow right there. <laughs> um, uh, Ryan, uh, I know you're still doing Sunday service shows online now every Sunday. Every Sunday at nine on our YouTube channel, The Sunday Service. And I read a chapter of Dune every day. I'm at chapter. I'm going to chapter nine today. That's my SoundCloud.com/slash Ryan Beal. Last Monday of every month, we're still doing getting the business online. I'm busier than ever and making zero money. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Christine, uh, anything you're working on now? Anything you want to plug? Um, just uh, at the only Bortolin. Uh, follow me on things. Uh, I'm probably, you know, how everyone's like. Everyone's got stuff that they're they want to do right now. So who knows? Uh, follow me for more updates or uh, Little Mountain Improv is going to do something every Tuesday virtually since we can't do our shows in real life now. But that will be constantly changing because 
we're not sure what to do. <laughs> awesome. I also, I really miss Hell Knight. Yeah. It, I mean, we are thinking about maybe trying to do something like that at home, but it's a pretty complicated show. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Okay. Um, so thanks, everybody, so much. Um, Peter, it's easy to ask comedians and actors if they've got something to plug. Uh, but yeah, Peter, what do, you, what do you have to plug? What are you working on right now? Can we follow you? Honestly, what, what do you got? I think... I think it's best that uh, I come to you guys when I have something interesting and don't just uh, dig, dig around my online presence. Uh, but I'm on Twitter. Uh, I usually just post stuff about new papers that are out and uh, lately some coronavirus stuff. But uh, I forget what my name is. I think it's GeoPete4. So you can find me on there. Okay, we could always change that if that's not it. So let me know yeah. after. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, so much. Uh, it's been a blast. And uh, stay safe out there. Yay. Uh, Great. You too. Bye. Bye. Nice to meet you all. Me too. Thanks awesome. so much. Thanks, everyone. Great first episode recording. Okay, baby boy. See you, everyone. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you all Thank so you. much. Okay, <laughs> bye. Science Telephone is produced by Jesse Lupini and Lucas Cavanaugh. Our designer is Kelsey Hemphill. And our intro is performed by France Paris. To learn more about the show, this episode's scientist, or the comedians you've just heard, visit us on the internet at sciencetelephone.com or on Twitter at SciTelShow. S-C-I-T-E-L Show. End of call.